let every heart prepare in room. Grinches that steal Christmas. We don't want these Grinches to steal our Christmas. So this is the Grinch of greed. And I'm subtitling it, Be Rich Toward God, and you'll see why in a moment. In verse 13 of Luke chapter 12, the Scripture says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain, and I'll say to myself, self, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night yourself will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. We're about to be buried in mounds of colorful wrapping, torn to pieces by children who are eager to see what Santa Claus brought them for Christmas. Actually, I always take a picture of the living room when everybody's torn open the gifts because it is a scene. And we're always a little anxious when the kids tear into the gifts because we want them to get what they want and we want them to be happy. So there's a tad of anxiety with the adults in the room as all the gifts are opened. Dr. Seuss was addressing the commercialization and materialism that creeps into Christmas in his little book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. That green sneering Grinch is greed turned into a character. Deep down, he believes that the people of Whoville are celebrating material possessions, not the noble virtues of love, gratitude, and generosity. And if those material possessions are taken away, Christmas will be gone. Part of our battle in this life is against the cynicism displayed by the Grinch. The Grinch felt isolated, disconnected. He believed that love, joy, and peace were just words, not realities. He was a materialist. We don't want to be that. We don't want to lose the wonder of the season. So I'm warning you against the disease of pleonexia. 
How many of you have heard that disease before? I just invented it. You got two new inventions, fresh off the press. The little poem and the disease, pleonexia. Now, this is a disorder of the heart, not the body. And it is the actual word in the text that is translated all kinds of greed. But in your King James Version, it's translated what? Covetousness. Beware of covetousness. Which command addresses covetousness? The last. The tenth. It is the command that got the Apostle Paul. At one point, he's talking about the law, and he says, if the law had not said, thou shalt not covet, I would have felt like I was safe. But because the law specified covetousness, it slayed me. And spiritually, he died on the 10th command. The commands are so specific, you know. Some of them are external, and then you get to this one. So the first and the tenth, love God with all your heart. The first command is the negative of that, no other gods before me. And love your neighbor as yourself, and the command that mentions the neighbor is the tenth, and its negative is thou shalt not covet. Do not get this disease. See, greed is comparing yourself with other people. It's really a focus on what other people have. And covetousness is the desire to have what other people have. You do not want this disease. It is deadly to your spirit. It can poison your family and your relationships. Do not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. Avoid this disease of pleonexia. Someone in the crowd had a family situation. Someone in the crowd cried out and said, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Surely there's nobody in this room who's going to meet a brother at Christmas or sit across the table from somebody in the family with whom you have a dispute, small or great, about inheritance. That wouldn't happen to you, would it? Well, the family's now got tension about inheritance. The brother's not doing the right thing. Teacher, tell my brother to do the right thing here. Jesus does not answer this question. Instead, he takes the opportunity to reinforce what he has taught throughout his ministry. Your life does not consist of the stuff which you possess. Your life does not consist of the stuff which you possess. So I've got three things to say that will keep the green monster from devouring not only your Christmas, but practically everything else in your life. And the first one is measure your life by kingdom values. Measure your life by kingdom values. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't measure your life by 
your financial net worth. Life does not consist of the stuff that runs through your fingers. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, seek first the what? Kingdom of God. That's the rule of God in your heart. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, being right with Him, aligned with Him. And all these other things, your food and your clothes and all those matters, they'll be provided for you, but you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So we'd be called today to seek first this Christmas the kingdom of God. See the kingdom of God in the celebration, in the actual event of Christmas. With your family gathered around, seek first to highlight the kingdom of God, the story of the Savior. Center yourself here. And do not measure yourself by what you get under the tree or all the other stuff that you have. Instead, measure your life based on the values of the kingdom. We call Jesus Lord, and so He is. He is Lord. And He is Lord of our money and our material possessions, as well as of our souls and our spirits. He is Lord of all. And when we call Him Lord, we're saying, we want to do the things that you say. He said, why would you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Why would you do that? And we have this culture around us that presses us to measure ourselves by material possessions. How much have you got? That's how you measure yourself in this culture. And so we're... We're pressed toward that, and if we're not careful, we who say Jesus is Lord begin to adopt this mindset in our culture, and we stray off the path He has said. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Make that priority of your life, and instead the priority becomes this other measurement that comes from the culture. How much have you got? That's how you know what your life consists of. We call Jesus Lord, and what Jesus is doing is He is pressing us to see the stuff from the point of view of God who made heaven and earth and everything in it and then planted all these wonderful things that we enjoy and created all these varieties, thousands of varieties of life forms and placed us in the middle of it and said, okay, here's this beautiful garden. Take care of it. Tend it and work it and enjoy it. It all belongs to God. From the very beginning of the Bible, we are stewards tending a garden which is His. And so God looks down from heaven at the world He has made and He sees His capstone creature. Men and women on planet earth in the midst of His abundance. And He says to us, you know, don't eat of the forbidden fruit thinking that you're the one who knows right and wrong, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't aspire to that. Don't set aside the Ten Commandments and think, I know better than that. I got my own rules. 
Don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You think it elevates you. You think it makes you in charge of your life. But it brings death to you spiritually. In the day you eat of that, you're setting God aside. You're setting His Word aside. You're setting yourself up as a little G God. And it introduces spiritual death into your heart. Don't eat that fruit. And what do we do? We eat it. And set ourselves up as the moral arbiter of our own lives. And think that's who we ought to be. Why would anybody be anything else? Jesus says, no. Seek first his kingdom. Put yourself under the lordship of God, the creator who made you. Make that the order of life. Measure your life in this way. When we measure it according to what we possess, we turn into materialists and make possessions our God. We fall down and worship the created things instead of the creator, which is the oldest idolatry in the world. And you know what? That created stuff, the gold, the silver, the cars, they can't talk to you. They can't hear your prayers. They can't love on you when you're hurting. That stuff we possess, it can't bring us comfort any more than those gods of stone and wood that the Israelites sometimes substituted for the one true God that loved them and called them and freed them from Egypt and gave them all these wonderful things to enjoy, brought them into the promised land. They still got pulled away. So that's the first thing. Measure your life by kingdom values. Here's number two. Prepare to bless others financially. What's wrong with this fool? You fool, this very night your soul will be required of you. The fool says to himself, the word for himself is psyche, in the Greek. It's why I put the word self in there, because it's twice in the text. He says to himself, self, or he says to his psyche, psyche, you have plenty. You have plenty of goods. That's true, isn't it? He's got plenty of goods. So he's not foolish in that. He stored up a lot. In fact, Nothing particularly wrong with that, that he's got stuff stored up. I hope you have something stored up for the future. The book of Proverbs would encourage you to store up for what's coming. You're eventually going to retire, you hope, right? There may come a winter when you need that stored up. So he's got, he's got that right. He's got it stored up. You know what he has wrong about it? You have plenty, he says to himself. Self, you have plenty stored up for many years. He can count the stuff. He thinks he can count the time. He thinks he's in charge 
of the time he's got on the planet. That is foolish. See, he stored it all up for himself. He didn't think about anybody else. It appears in the parable that the man is alone. And he's not made any preparation for his departure from the planet. Maybe he's under the illusion, as some people are, that they are immortal. They're going to be here forever. So, here, here's the thing. Bless others with what God blesses you. Bless others with what God blesses you. The song says that whatever I do for God, I've got to do it for others. How are you going to bless God? Except by blessing the widow or the orphan or the person who's sick or hurting or in need. How are you going to bless God? How are you going to serve Him unless it has to do with you serving those around you? And so the man is a fool because he's accumulated all this for himself, thinking he's going to be here for many years. And the Lord says, you fool, this night your psyche shall be required of you. It's translated life in the text, okay? And that's probably a good translation, but I'd like to know that three times the same word is used. He says to his psyche, psyche, you have many years. And God says, this night your psyche shall be required of you. Yourself, your who, your essential you is required of you tonight. Then the question is, whose shall all these things be? Neil and Cordy Francis did a wonderful thing for our family. You know what they did? When they got old, they divided up their stuff between their children. They made the decision. Now, you see this brother? Something, sometimes it falls on the next generation to decide how to divide the stuff. But the people who actually made it, Neil and Cordy, they divided it up before they died and passed it on. And it blessed our family, Janet's family, and the entire family that they did that. Janet's aunt, Monty, that some of you knew, did the same thing with her stuff. She was very careful. And before she ever died, she blessed strategically people in the family with what they had accumulated. There was a couple named the McFarlands who had no children but accumulated a significant amount of wealth. And when they died, they left most of it to the Baptist Hospital in New Orleans. And they left part of it to First Baptist Church of New Orleans, where I was pastor for 22 years. And we were able to start clinics, medical clinics in underserved areas of the city. There are four of them operating now. They expect to see 20,000 patients. How did that happen? Because the McFarlands thought about what was going to happen when they were gone. And they accumulated their stuff, not just for themselves, thinking they were immortal, but for others. And even though they had no physical heirs, 
They made kingdom work the heirs of their fortune. Here's what I'm saying to you. Use your stuff to bless people. Don't use people to get stuff. People have dignity and worth infinitely in the eyes of God. They are not on the planet for you to use. They're on the planet for you to bless. The stuff, yes, that's here to use. Use it well. I hope you flourish. I hope you have abundance. I hope you are prosperous in your management of the stuff that God placed here for you to use. But don't use people. Bless people with your stuff. You say, preacher, where do you get that? That's a kingdom value of Jesus. You do not measure life by the things which you possess. You measure life by the relationships of love that you have with God and with others. You measure your life by the kingdom values which He gives, by the rule of God in your heart. It's all about God, isn't it? So, accumulate, yes, but prepare to bless others financially. And then number three, be rich toward God. That's how he ends this. This is how it is for people who have the stuff but are not rich toward God. I look at that and I think, I want to be rich toward God. So, Jesus says, not being rich toward God, the man was a fool. So, how am I going to be rich toward God? And I have three things for you to say to yourself. Instead of what the fool said to himself, I've got plenty for many. Don't say you got plenty for many. You don't know how long you'll be here. Say something else to yourself, okay? Here's the first thing to say to yourself. Self, practice gratitude, not greed. Gabe, I loved your prayer. I know you wrote that with a with a heart for God, and it was full of gratitude. Did you hear that? His prayer was just full of gratitude to God. God culminates His condemnation of the Gentiles in Romans 1 with these awful things listed, and finally, in summary, says, and they were not grateful. They were not grateful. Ingratitude is a terrible sin. So tell yourself this Christmas, self, be grateful. Be grateful when you sit with your family. Be grateful when you slide up to the table. Be grateful whatever is under the tree. Be grateful. Have a grateful heart. Gratitude means I understand that everything I receive in this life comes from God. That fool had all this stuff up, laid up, he thought for many years. And in the middle of the night, he didn't own a thing. 
His barns weren't his. His possessions weren't his. His bank account, his savings account, none of it was his. Not even the jewelry on his hands or the bed he was lying in. It was all gone. He didn't own a thing when his self was required of him. Only God knows when that appointment is for you. But say to yourself, not I have plenty for many, but be grateful. Be grateful every day and understand that all you have is a gift from God. Amen? Number two, say to yourself, self Worship God, not things. Make your life about the kingdom, not about the stuff. Follow Jesus sincerely as his disciple. Don't chase after the other things. Seek first the kingdom. Say to yourself, self-worship God, not the stuff. I was driving through beautiful central Texas this weekend. You know how beautiful it is? I know it's winter. I like living at 1670 feet elevation. I'm on that mountain when you come up toward Goldthwait. And I like the mountains and I like the creeks and the forest and the live oak trees. And I was driving through it all and I was just saying, thank you, God. What a wonderful world you've made for us to enjoy. I was worshiping as I drove That's what life is to me. Worship is not something you do once a week in a church building, though you ought to do this. This is corporate worship. If anybody says to me, well, I worship when I'm on the lake, I say, you better. Those fish are God's, not yours. He made that lake. He made the shoreline. You better worship when you're on the lake. You also better worship corporately with the people of God. That, too, is part of what God challenges us to do. But worship is a lifestyle. It's 24-7 acknowledging God for who He is. Third thing I'd say to myself, self, trusting God, not your money. I think about the folks that built this building, and I've mentioned this before, but it still amazes me because every time I come in, I have to punch in 19, well, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Donna almost messed up. <laughs> when they built this building, it was a Great Depression. We don't know what it feels like to have... Corporations going out of business, banks failing, and millions of jobs lost. Not only here, but all over the world. 1929 was the crash, and it introduced a time of scarcity and difficulty all over the world and also in Gatesville, Texas. And we don't know what that's like, really. We've had the crash of our own in 2008, but we had recovered practically in a year. 
the S&P 500 was back. Scared me to death in 2008. I don't know how you felt, but, <laughs> but then it was back. Not so in 1929. Really, the recovery didn't happen until after World War II. It was 1945 before the country and the world was back on its feet financially. We haven't experienced that, but we could. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know if land will hold its worth. We don't know the stock market will soar like it has. We don't know what's coming in the future. You know, there were folks that predicted a 70% decline in the stock market in 2019. 2019's almost over. <laughs> I hope it's not going to happen. I don't think it is. Not by the end of the year. But we don't know what's coming. So let's not say, well, we got plenty. So we're just going to trust in that. Instead of being rich with stuff in our mind, let's be rich toward God. Trust in God with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Don't be smart in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. I tell myself, these things. Self worship God. Self trust in God, not your money. Self be grateful, not greedy. So that I can be rich toward God like the fool was not. This Christmas. Make it about the kingdom, about the child born at Bethlehem, come to save us all. Rehearse again the truth that he came to save us from our sin, and that's what his name means. And he did so by dying on a cross so that we might have forgiveness of sin and a new life with him. Jesus is the reason for the season. Let's bow together. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to be rich toward you. I pray every person in this room will be rich toward you. Lord, don't let us be foolish, focusing on things that can't last forever, that in the end will fail us. Instead, Lord, help us to stand on the foundation of the Savior himself to make this the foundation of our thinking, our life, our finances, our home, and our Christmas. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We always have a response time at the end of the message, an opportunity for you to respond to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Maybe the Spirit is saying to you, you need to be part of a family of faith. You've been outside too long. You've been on the periphery too long. Time to get inside. Maybe that's what the Spirit's saying to you. That would be an act of God in your life, by the way. For God to add you to a body of believers is the work of the Spirit of God. In fact, the Scripture says that happens under the sovereignty of God as He seeds fit. He adds members to the body. So maybe that's what 
God would be moving you to do. Maybe you need Jesus in your life. And you want to today confess Him as Savior and Lord. You could come today. Maybe you just need somebody to pray for you because it's Christmas time. And that's just hard. Let's stand together. We're going to sing together. You come as we sing. You were the 